Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. So good to see you today. So glad that you're here. Uh, if you haven't been welcome to First Missionary this morning, uh, welcome. If you're new with us today, and I met several new folks in the first service this morning, we're especially honored and, and glad that you chose to come into worship with us today. Well, to kind of give you a head, heads up, head start, we'll be in First Thessalonians today. Uh, pretty excited about what we're going to be looking at today. Um, you know, preaching is a little bit like farming. Now, I don't have a ton of farming experience. I have a little bit of preaching experience, but preaching is kind of like farming from what I know, what I understand, what I experience week in and week out. It's like you come to a field, which might be a thought or an idea, or there might be a passage of scripture that God's kind of, kind of put on your heart and on your mind, and then you go there, and then you start breaking ground, and you start uh, tilling the ground and breaking it up, and it's always kind of, always kind of rough at the beginning when you're breaking that ground, especially if it hasn't been broken before. And there's a lot of clods and a lot of weeds and stuff you got to kind of work through, but you break that ground, and then you plant some seeds, and you tend the field, and you pray for a harvest. Uh, sometimes that will happen like in one message, like in one message. It's just very clear. It's very evident uh, that you're going to break ground and till and you're going to plant seeds and you're going to water those seeds and, and you're going to see this conclusion and you're going to see this end, this fruit, all in one message. Sometimes that happens over the course of several messages. Well, God might say, hey, listen. I want you to look at this, and I want you to start here. And what you think might be one message, the Lord goes, wow, there's a whole lot more here. So what we're going to do is we are going to make a, a series of teachings from this. And that's what kind of happened with the Wrestling with God series. For several weeks, for seven weeks, we talked about wrestling with God. And what started as one thought, one message God just took us to be in that field for several weeks. And, and I'll be completely honest with you today as we came in this morning. I'm still, uh, I'm still like celebrating the afterglow of last week. That uh, last week we saw folks who had given their life to Christ, were, were baptized, followed him of believer's baptism. Uh, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed for a family and a situation at the end of the service last week. And, and God moved and God worked. And, and the Lord should be praised. When we come here and we pray and we ask God to move and to work and then he does that, we really don't need to just go about his business as usual. We need to, to reflect back on that and give him the praise and the glory that he's due for what he's done. So let's do that right now. Let's just thank the Lord. Because I'm telling you, last week, there were situations and there were heartfelt needs in this place. And there were great concerns that the week was going to bring. And God met those. 
and showed himself. And so it's almost like doing this thing all over again. It's kind of where we are today. We're leaving the message series, Wrestling with God. And as I prayed this week and sought the Lord and said, God, where do we go next? He kind of took me back to the thorn in the flesh. And in that section of scripture that we looked at where Paul identified his thorn in the flesh and he talked about it and what God was teaching him through that, last Sunday we identified five paradoxes in that section of scripture. And the last paradox that we looked at, and we're not talking about a pair of Doc Martin shoes, by the way. Just want to clarify, that's not what we're talking about. Not a pair of docs, but a paradox. Some of y'all are like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Some of you are like, yeah, but that was stupid, Brother Allen. That was really corny. A paradox. And one of the last paradoxes that we looked at was the paradox that when I am weak, then I am what? When I'm weak, then I'm, I'm strong. A, parado a paradox is a proposition or a statement that seems to contradict itself. In fact, when you hear it, it, it really doesn't make any sense. But then once you examine the argument behind the paradox, and you look at it, you go, you know, I think there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. Well, today we're going to transition. And we're going to look at another paradox. And I'm just going to lay it out for you right now. Here's the paradox. If you try to find happiness, there's a really good chance you're going to be unhappy. If you try to find happiness, like if you pursue happiness, there's a really good chance you're going to be unhappy. In fact, I read an article this past week from a guy who had pursued happiness, tried everything he could to be happy, tried to achieve all of his goals that he thought would bring him happiness, and he said, the more I tried to find happiness, the more miserable I became. Well, we're going to work through that, and we're going to come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I think we're going to understand uh, the truth behind that. I think we're also going to unlock today, unlock some keys to really being happy. If you want to be happy, I think today we might learn something about that. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, the Apostle Paul wrote, he said, now as to the times and the epochs or seasons or eras or dispensations, now as to the times and epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. It's almost like, then why are you writing? Well, there really is reason, okay? In regards to that, don't need to. But there's other things I do need to write you about because you've missed some things and you need to be, keyword, you need to be encouraged in some things today. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. 
while they are saying, not you, but those outside the camp, they are saying, peace and safety. Then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with a child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. Sober-minded means to be paying attention, to be uh, aware, clued in, watching things unfold. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that we, whether we are awake or asleep, and that's a way of saying whether because there's questions about people who had died. Whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, and please pay attention to verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. Uh, Father, we commit this time to you, Lord. Father, as it has already been said today, we, we take nothing for granted. Whether we've done this a thousand times each time, it just seems like it's the first time. And Father, we are so dependent upon your, your spirit and upon your power to lead us in this time. So we ask that your spirit would be our teacher, that you speak uh, fresh revelation and truth into our lives, God. And uh, we trust you to, to give us your key to happiness. So Lord, help us work through that today for your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So if somebody asked you, why, why are you doing what you're doing? What would you, what would you say? How would you answer that? When you were a kid, what, why did you do what you did? Why did you get involved in the activities that you got involved in? Why did you play the sport that you played? When you got a little bit older and you got involved in clubs and organizations, why did you, why did you engage? Why did you do those things? When you went to college or you saw, thought about a career, why did you choose the major that you chose? I mean, we could break this down to even simple, everyday life kinds of things. So when you asked her out, why did you ask her out? When you said yes to him, why did you say yes to him? Why did you decide to get married? Uh, why did you build the house that you built? Why did you think you needed the car that you bought? Why did you buy the car? Why did you go out last night with friends? Why did you go out with the certain friends you went out with? Why do you want to succeed? When you play a game, why do you want to win? Why do you exercise? Why do you try to improve your self-image? Why do you make money? Why do you save money? Why do you spend money? Why did you get married? 
Why, why, why have you done what you did? Why are you doing what you're doing? A lot of us would say we do what we do to make ourselves happy. Have you ever said to your kids, hey, listen, find what makes you happy and go do it? You ever done that? Find what makes you happy and go do it. Or you just simply said to maybe somebody you're in a relationship with, I just, I just, I just want you, I just want you to, I just want you to, I just want you to be happy. Are you happy? This morning we talked about this in the first service and I asked just in, in a generalization, in a general question, I said, do you think God wants you to be happy? Have you ever struggled through life and thought to yourself, I'm, I'm just not happy? And maybe you've given up on being happy. Have you ever stepped back from your life and thought to yourself, and, and, and by the way, there, were, there, were, there are people who are here today who when they step back from their life and they look at their life, they go, I just, I don't think God wants me to be happy. And especially when we talk about having the thorn in the flesh last week and people pray and it doesn't go away. A lot of people, even with their thorn, they conclude, God does not want me to be happy. Well, today I'm here to tell you, God wants you to be happy. Now, I don't want our scholars right now and our Bible uh, theologians splitting hairs over joy and happiness. Don't do that right yet, okay? But I'm here to tell you that God really wants you to be happy. In fact, did you know that there are over 2,700 biblical references to joy, to happiness, to gladness, to pleasure, to celebrating, to feasting, to exaltation? By the, by the way, did I mention joy? Did I mention joy? 20, over 2,700 references to joy. Did I mention happiness? Did I mention, did I mention gladness? Rejoicing? Celebration? Feasting? Being happy? Did I mention that over 2,700 times the Scripture speaks to us? Being happy. Being glad. Being joyous, being exuberant, having celebrations, having a good time in life, going through life even when you have a thorn in your flesh and being, being glad that you woke up in the morning. And there's a lot of people today who've given up on being happy because they pursued it. They didn't find it and they concluded, God does not want me to be happy. Well, here's the thing, and it's a paradox. Probably, if you are pursuing happiness and you pursue happiness like it's a goal or it's like a destination you're going to arrive at, there's a really good chance you'll never find it. That if you pursue happiness, and told you I read an article this past week about a guy, he pursued happiness with everything he had. I mean, he went after it all, I mean, for the majority of his teenage and Young adult life, he pursued happiness. And when he got to the middle age years of his life, 
he concluded that the more he tried to be happy, the more unhappy and the more miserable he was with his life. Could it be that if you're trying to pursue happiness today like a goal or a destination, guys, listen, it'll be like you trying to grab the wind with your hands. And you grab it and you can never catch it. But God wants us to be happy. Let me give you one example of how I think this thing works. And my hypothesis this morning, and what I think is a paradox, is, is clearly this. I really believe that if you're trying to pursue happiness as a goal or a destination, you're probably not going to find it. But there is a way that you can find happiness. Uh, here's just an example of this. This is in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Verse 26. The guys are going to throw this on the screen for you. Some translations will say joy. Using a translation today that uses the word happy. Again, we're not differentiating between joy and happiness. We're kind of lumping them together with this whole concept and idea. That listen to me. At the end of the day, God wants you to be able to lay your head on your pillow with a smile on your face. However you describe that. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 26. If we please God, He will make us wise. Understanding and what? Let's look at this again. If we please God, He will make us wise. Understanding and what? Three words here in the text that God will make you. This part is wise, this part is understanding, and this part is happy. You got it? Here's your, here's your cue. If we please God, He will make us And, all right, let's see if we can flip this thing now. If we please God, He will make us Oh, you stayed with happy, didn't you? Oh, I flipped it. I'm sorry. I was a poor teacher. Let's do it over again. You guys take you now. You guys are wise. Now you're understanding. Now you're happy. Okay. Sorry. We'll make you guys happy in just a minute. Okay. If we please God, He will make us. All right, so these folks can be happy. Let's figure this out. You be wise. No, you be understand. You, no, you be wise. You be understand. Now you guys be happy. Okay. If we please God, He will make us. told you i'd make you happy and there goes a note he'll make you happy right so i want you to notice this though in the text if we please god he will make us wise understanding and happy text does not say if you will pursue happiness you will be happy the text says if you pursue god if you please god if you're after his heart if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and in your relationship with Him, you have this relationship with Him. The word relationship is so important today. Because you've got to have a relationship with Christ. You've got to. If you want to be happy. That's where you start. But if you seek God's heart, and He is who you pursue, then you won't have to worry about finding happiness, happiness will find you. If you pursue God, 
out of your relationship with Christ, if you pursue God and seek a life that honors and pleases the Lord, then you won't have to worry about finding happiness or wisdom or understanding because they, happiness, will find you. Here's another example of what it takes to be happy. And did I tell you that people are not happy today? Did I tell you that? Our culture is more educated. Our culture is more advanced. Our culture has more information and technology and the ability to have relationships than ever before. But all studies are showing us that people are not very happy. In fact, a few years ago, a survey was done. It was the Harris Poll of Research and Study on Happiness. Surveyed American Americans and surveyed whether Americans were happy or not. The poll discovered that the highest index of happiness among Americans was only 35%. Which means this, listen to this. Breaking this thing down. Two out of every three people you meet have a cloud of darkness or gray over their lives. Two out of every three. Did you know that clinical depression in the United States is ten times more than what it was a century ago. We have more stuff and more things and more means and more information. But it seems that none of these things that people pursue to make them happy are in fact making them happy. I think scripture gives us another key. Pursuing God's one. But the other key is this. And we're going to almost like invent a word today. Or a statement. And hopefully I can get this right. If you're taking notes today, there's a place in the back of your bulletin and and you can write this down. Maybe it'll stick with you. One of the keys that Scripture gives to us in regards to our own personal happiness is in what is called one-anothering. One-anothering. Uh, this is all throughout Scripture, by the way. Uh, the Scripture tells us like in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, we're going to break this down in just a second. The scripture tells us time and time and time and time and time again to encourage one another. Scripture tells us to bear with one another, which means to put up with one another. I mean, you can look at your neighbor and go, I'm putting up with you. I mean, yeah, I've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm bearing with you. Okay, yeah. But again, this is about getting happy, right? So don't do that with a big grudge on your face. I mean, okay. You're missing the point, right? 
The Bible tells us to regard, to regard one another as more important. Scripture tells us to be hospitable, to be friendly, to greet one another. You ever met somebody look like they've been weaned on a dill pickle? And they had 12 for lunch. It's like, good Lord, can you not smile? I mean, just be friendly. It won't kill you to smile, okay? Just fake it. I mean, fake it till you make it, right? Greet one another. One another. Scripture tells us to pray for one another. To serve one another. To accept one another. To admonish, to, to build up with our words. One another. The Bible tells us to forgive one another. And the scripture tells us to love one another. When we one another, one another, I really believe with all my heart, you will find a sense of happiness. It's kind of like when we looked at the first example, when you uh, pursue God and you pursue the heart of God and Wisdom and understanding and happiness will follow you. It's almost kind of like this. It's like you discover your purpose. Have you ever done something in your life, and when you did it, you thought, man, I kind of like this. I think I was made for it. Uh, maybe the first time you got into the kitchen, and, and you were, and this is not me, by the way, and you were in the kitchen, and, and you were maybe with your mom or your grandma, and, and, you're, and you're cooking in the kitchen, and you're like, man, I think I've got a knack for this, and you're like, man, I, 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 like, I like cooking, yeah, this is good, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm made for this. Or maybe the first time you tried to sing, again, this isn't me, but maybe you're trying to sing, and you thought to yourself, hey, that sounds pretty good, and then somebody said, you sound horrible. No, I'm kidding. You say, I sound pretty good. And then somebody else says, hey, I think you sound pretty good too. Next thing you know, you, you start singing and you start going, gee, I, man, this is kind of, I'm kind of made for this. Or the first time you stepped into the classroom and you taught a group of students and you're like, wow, I feel like I'm made for this. Or even for the mom, listen to this. Even the mom or the dad, and, and they're with their children, they're doing things for their family, and they're taking care of stuff in the house, and, and they just have this sense of fulfillment. They're just going, gee, I just kind of made for this. Like when you serve the Lord, and you seek Him and wisdom and understanding and happiness, you go, man, I was made for this. And yes, you were. You were made to know the one who made you. But then, when you one another, one another, I think you'll have the same sensation and the same realization. I made for this. Studies have actually shown that when people or when people are hospitable or charitable or they do things for other people, the positive chemicals in their brain, like dopamine, is released in people when they do something for somebody else. They feel a sense of euphoria, of joy, and happiness that comes over their life. And it makes perfect sense. This is almost a twist on what we call here at First Missionary the principle of the cross. 
when you do what you do for what somebody else gets out of it? It makes perfect sense because when Jesus died on the cross, he did what he did for what you would get out of it. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about Christ, who, 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 what? Who, for the joy set before him, he endured with much suffering the cross. And what was his joy? You. You. So it makes perfect sense that if you are in Christ and you have a relationship with Jesus, his spirit is inside of you and you will reflect his very heart and his very life, which is to one another, one another. Did you know that the term for the Holy Spirit is the term paraclete in the scriptures? It's a Greek term which means the advocate or the encourager. God knows that you need His encouragement in your life. And so He puts His Spirit and His life into your life so that you can encourage and be a blessing to somebody else. It makes perfect sense. But there's going to be times when life is really tough. And we're going to need a little something extra. I think this is what Paul speaks of in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he's writing to the church at Thessalonica. Paul helped to establish and to found this church. He had to leave the church in somewhat of a hurry, but he would later hear that they would begin to deal with certain concepts and ideas and certain truths that they would struggle with. They also began to experience a great deal of persecution, and they were dealing with some confusion. Watch this. Some confusion about how everything plays out in the end. They were thinking about a term, a concept, a reality that would come that they called the day of the Lord. And some of them were thinking, okay, when the day of the Lord happens, what will happen to all the folks who've died before the day of the Lord? And they were asking all these questions about the day of the Lord. And the people of God forever throughout Scripture and throughout history have, have lived and have understood that the day of the Lord will come someday. It's an end times term. It's an end times day or era. Many times it references the second coming of Christ. Some people have referred to it as the day of wrath and do not ever think of God's wrath as like God throwing an out-of-control temper tantrum and just wanting to beat people on top of the head. That's not the biblical concept of wrath. Others think of it as the day of judgment. A good way to think of the day of the Lord is this. It is when God, it is when God balances the scales. That when evil and atrocities, and pain, and suffering. It's when all of that will, will be served. It's due recompense by God. The scales will be balanced. And the just, fair, and right God is going to have the last word on all of this stuff that is painful, and hurtful, and evil, in all of that, there will be a day, someday, 
God makes it right in time and space. But here's the deal. If you're not right in your heart with Christ first, then in time and space, you won't be right with God then. Paul would write, he would let them know that, listen guys, if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, if you've given your life to Christ, you do not need to fear the day of the Lord. And you don't need to worry about folks who have died before you either, who were in Christ. It is going to be a glorious day for you. You are signed, sealed, and delivered, and it's okay. But you better make sure you're signed, sealed, and delivered. And he tells them, during this current darkness, guys, watch this. During this current darkness, for those who are in Christ, he says, your day, when it seems to be night. Your light, when it seems to be dark. That's who you are. Pay attention. Be sober-minded. Be on the alert. Know what is coming. And help other people to be prepared for that day. And when you get discouraged and you're struggling, he tells us in verse 8, that since we are of the day, and we are to be sober-minded, having put on the breastplate of faith, and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. It's like he's saying, just everything that you have in Christ, just wear that. Wear what you have in Christ. And this will protect you during these turbulent, difficult, God-forsaken, awful times. For God, verse 9, has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. So that whether we are awake or asleep, we will do what? Whether we are awake or whether we're asleep. Speaking of those who have died before, before this point in time, because they were worried about those folks who died. He says, so whether we are awake or asleep, we will do what? We will what? We will, we will live together with Him. And let's camp on something for just a second. You are day when it seems to be night. You are light when it seems to be dark. So as you go out into your life and live your life, then you find those who are in darkness. And you give them light. And you find those who live in the nighttime. And you give them day. Have I told you that people are unhappy? Have I told you that clinical depression is at an all-time high? Have I told you that two out of every three people that you meet have a cloud of darkness and gray over their life. Have I told you that students today have suicidal ideologies more than we've ever known before? A teacher told me not too long ago that she counseled, and, and there was counseling that had been made for a second grader who was struggling with suicidal ideologies. So here's what you do. Since you are light and since you are day, then you find that kid. You find that person. You find that individual who has no hope. And you get out of yourself. And you get out of your own problems. And you begin to one another, one another. And you go to them. And you find them. And you give them love. And you give them encouragement. Not too long ago, a parent was talking with their child. Their child was like, Dad. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I, I really don't know what direction I'm going to pursue 
in my life. And the parent said back to the son, said, son, I do not care what you do with your life as long as you are living your life to make somebody else's life better. Don't care what you do with your life as long as you live your life for the sake of making somebody else's life better. Why is that? Because when we one another, one another, we will feel a sense of fulfillment. We will say to ourselves, I am made for this, and happiness will find us. When you live your life trying to find happiness for somebody else, happiness will find you. So he says in verse 11, Therefore, 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 encourage one another. Encourage one another. Build up one another. One another, one another, one another. Encourage one another. Be the voice of God's Spirit in the life of another. Don't be the voice of negativity or condemnation. Don't be the person who says to their kid, you can't do that. You'll never amount to anything. Don't you be that person. You be the person that when somebody comes along and they say, hey, I've got a dream. I believe that God is wanting me to do this or I'm wanting to do that. You be the person that comes alongside them and says, hey, listen, you can do all things in Christ who gives you strength. If that is your dream, then go for it. I'll be your number one cheerleader. I'll stand behind you. Be the person who sees the potential in somebody else and, and says to them, you know what? God has great things for your life. And if you wilt away in your depression, you'll never find it. God's got great things for you. Go find them. Go find them. Encourage one another. Everyone needs a cheerleader. Everyone needs encouragement. God says, you be that. And build one another up in a day and time where people want to tear other people down. And we do it even by comparison. Through social media, we paint pictures of life in reality that's not true. And many times we paint such pictures that by comparison, listen to me, by comparison... People are torn down. We live in a world where people are constantly being torn down. The body of Christ exists in the world not to tear people down, but to build people up. Encourage one another. Build up one another. And apparently they were already doing it and he just needed to encourage them to keep on keeping on. Why? Because when you one another, one another, and you're all about one anothering, you yourself will find happiness. 
But I believe with all my heart today, if you live your life trying to find happiness for yourself, and you do what you do, and you work what you work, and you go where you go, and it's all about you, and finding your happiness, and, and you're trying to get it, I'm telling you, it's going to be like trying to grab the wind with your fingers. It's going to go right through it. And you'll probably end up one of the most miserable people on the planet. Because you made it all about you. But when you make it about somebody else, then you will be happy. So why don't you try it? This week, let's put this to the test. This week, let's put this to the test. Find that kid at school. Find that kid at school who this past weekend felt like there was no hope for his or her life. You find that kid. And you go to that kid. And you love that kid. Even when it's not popular to show kindness and affection and generosity, you be unpopular. And you'll find happiness. Find that person at work who feels no hope. Share the love of Christ with them. Share the hope that you found with them. Walk down the street to your neighbor who just lost their spouse, is living alone, and feels like they have no purpose to live anymore. And be a neighbor to them. One another, one another, and see how you feel at the end of the day. I'm putting my money on the fact that I think you'll be happy. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.